Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. My guest today is beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live. We have a lot to talk about, and as always, Aaron is a great guest. But first, a few of my thoughts to get us started today. We all have so much going on in our lives right now. Christmas is just days away, and we know how that can be with shopping and family get-togethers. Busy and stressful. We need our holiday diversions, and bowl season gets underway in earnest next weekend is a great diversion. I'm also looking forward to the playoffs, but as always, my focus will be on Michigan football. We couldn't ask for a better matchup in a bowl game. As a fan, I'm nervous about playing Alabama. Sure, they are 10-2. They are missing Tua. They missed the playoffs for the first time in five years. And some folks think they won't be interested or motivated to play this game. I think that's a crock, though. This is a great program. They have pride, great athletes, and they have Nick Saban. Alabama is Alabama. They will come to play. Count on it. So will Michigan, though. I agree they have more talent, but they can be beaten. What I want to see is a competitive game from us, one that sees our offense go out and throw caution to the wind and just attack. Our defense is going to be hard-pressed to slow down that Bama offense, but if they can create some turnovers, get some stops, we're going to have our chances. Playing Alabama in the Citrus Bowl is a great opportunity. Will we seize the day? That is the question. I don't know. No one does. One thing is certain, beating Bama on New Year's Day would pay dividends on so many fronts. Recruiting, our national image, and most importantly, for the team psyche, as we head into a long winter, spring, and summer of preparation for next season. My guest today says Michigan has to be better than it has all season if we have any hopes of being in this game. Up next on our game day segment is beat writer Aaron McMahon, here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maize and Brew. So stay with us. Here with us on our game day segment this week to talk more Michigan football as things start to build for the uh, the Citrus Bowl is beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live. Aaron, once again, great to have you back. Good morning, Mike. Good to be with you. Well, I wouldn't say it's crazy busy on the Michigan football scene right now, but I know uh, your readers, my listeners, are starting to get excited. I think about the the Citrus Bowl. The people I'm hearing from. It sort of is a mixed bag, Aaron. They're apprehensive about playing Alabama, but at the same time excited. Are you finding that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, it's a definitely a different matchup. You know, from from this time last year, I think folks were, you know, uh, you know, frustrated that Michigan was going to play Florida in the Peach Bowl last year just because they played them so many times before. You know, with regard to Alabama, it's been a long time since, since these two programs have faced one another. So I think it's an intriguing matchup for for many different reasons. Uh, but you're right, you know, given Alabama's, you know, talent and, and you know, their uh, winning history and everything else, I think some folk, some fans are, you know, n- nervous about the potential for this game. But at the same token, I think it's going to be a, you know, a highly watched game. And I think many folks, even right now, are, are talking about, you know, this, this matchup. No, I agree. And, you know, one of the things you and I were talking about before we started taping briefly was the fact that it was the, the awards banquet was mm-hmm. held Sunday night in Ann Arbor. 
Shea Patterson was chosen most valuable player. Coach Harbaugh said it wasn't even close, so great honor for Shea. It was, yeah. He had a pretty good year from, from you know, he eclipsed most of his, or, you know, several of his statistics from last year. Uh, he looked good, very good at times. He looked not so good at other times. Uh, but I think by and large, consist, from a consistent basis, I think he's one of Michigan's better players. He played in every game. Uh, he had some outstanding games. He, he helped them to victory several times this season. Uh, and, you know, and I don't think there were many clear-cut candidates either. You know, some guys had good, had good games at different points. Uh, but, you know, I think from a consistent consistent standard, uh, you know, consistency standpoint, uh, Shea, I think, was, was the guy. And one of the things in the last week, Aaron, I've seen pop up on the uh, the local scene and even on mm-hmm. national college football writers is the question, is Shea going to come back for a fifth year? That's something I really didn't hear much talk about during the season, and he's sort of putting that off right now, rightly so, with the focus being on the game. But do you think there's any chance he might consider coming back or appealing for a fifth year? You know, I think there. You know, I, I think he could appeal for one. Whether he gets it or not remains to be seen. You know, when when the NCAA instituted, instituted this new uh, redshirt policy, where you know players are allowed to play up to four games a season and, and you know still redshirt their season, you know they, they didn't say it was going to be. You know, they, they you couldn't go back and, and you know. Um, you know, reapply that to previous seasons. You know, in Shea's case, it was his freshman year at Ole Miss. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he, or excuse me, his sophomore year at Ole Miss, he, he was injured. Um, so it's it's one of those things where it, it came before the, the new rules in place. And under the NCAA rules, that's not allowed to take, you know, they can't go back and retroactively change that. Uh, but, you know, we've seen NCAA, you know, change the, their policy and their, their application in the past. You know, Shea did transfer for, for you know, different reasons. Uh, so we'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they try uh, to appeal it, whether he gets it granted or not. I, I think is is extremely small at this point. Well, in other news, in the last week, it was announced uh, that Tariq Black was entering the transfer portal. Did that in any way surprise you, Aaron? Not really. You know, just given the way, way his season went, you know, he essentially at the end of the year became Michigan's fourth option at receiver. You know, I thought he, he looked good early in the season, but. You know, as as the schedule kind of went on, you, know, you saw Ronnie Bell's emerge as Michigan's. You know, you can make the case to be Michigan's top target. Uh, Nico Collins had another pretty good year. Donovan Peoples Jones was always in the mix there, but he was you know battling injuries at the time. Um, but Tariq just never was able to break out and and be that player many of us thought he would be after his freshman season back in 2017. I, I can remember that that opener against Florida where he had that breakout game, and everyone thought he was going to be the, the next big thing. And you know, between the injuries and just the inconsistent play and, and the, abil- the inability to kind of, you know, string some games together, uh, you know, it kind of buried him on the depth chart. And, and we're waiting to see what happens with the receivers going into the next year, that they're going into next season. We have, we've got no word yet uh, from Donovan Peoples-Jones or Nico Collins or whether they plan to return for another year. Um, you know, so that, that may have played into a uh, factor behind the scenes. We, we don't know at this point. Uh, but Tariq does have two years of eligibility remaining. He, he does say he plans to to pursue a graduate transfer, so he, he'll be able to, you know, barring that he graduates, um, I, I suspect he'll do that here in the, here in the spring or the summer, um, that, you know, he'll, he'll be able to play right away wherever he goes, and he'll have the opportunity to potentially be an everyone guy, you know, he's a former four-star recruit, he was highly, highly tired coming to high school in Connecticut, I think he was a top 100, uh, you know, player according to several of those recruiting uh, services, so he's, he, he has the talent as we've seen, he has the ability um, I think he just needs to, um, you know, I guess to make a clean slate, maybe the chance to be that number one guy somewhere else. Well, it is that time of the year all over the college football landscape. Players are announcing they're entering the transfer portal. I mean, they did during the season, but it seems more now that the regular season is over for the vast majority of college football. 
Do you have you heard, or do you think Michigan is going to see any other players follow his lead? Yeah, I haven't heard anything yet, but don't be surprised. I mean, it, this this is the case. It's and it will be continue to be continue to be the case here going forward. It, it's just the, the nature of college football these days. You know, you, you see mm-hmm. guys, you know, reassess their standing with their current team, where they rank, maybe the depth chart, their you know their or probability of playing next year, where they fit in the roster, all those things, and you know, you're not, not only are you seeing your linemen and skill players, but you're seeing. I mean, there's been a, a glut of quarterbacks under this thing, so it's it's become an interesting thing to tra- to kind of track. Um, but don't be surprised if a couple other guys hit the, at the portal at some point. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast of college football nowadays. Uh, Michigan, I think, had three or four this season since the season started, uh, and it's going to continue. So, I mean, you could see that, but. Um, you know, keep an eye. I mean, I'm sure a couple guys will at, at some point. Um, but yeah, Tariq Black's the latest one. Um, you know, we'll see going forward. Well, practice. There have been three practices for the uh, Citrus Bowl, and I know uh, at the banquet on Sunday night, several of, of the players were asked about is anyone they know of sitting out the bowl game for Michigan. Jim Harbaugh has made his thoughts clear, though, where he stands on that subject, hasn't he, Aaron? Yes, yeah. He, he basically said that, you know, he, want, he wants his players to finish what they, they started. I think this is a message he's maybe, you know, uh, communicated to them in previous years. Uh, you know, last year was unique in regards to Michigan because they had two, potentially three, you know, possible first-round picks. They only had two end up going first round. Uh, so, you know, from, from an upside standpoint, there wasn't much to play in that, in that Peach Bowl. Uh, you know, Harbaugh, he, he has said time again that he wants guys to finish, you know, finish their careers as long as they're healthy to play. You know, in Devin Bush's case last year, he said he was, he was de- you know, trying to come back from injury. So I guess that was his, you know, his explanation. This year's different because Michigan doesn't really have a projected first-round pick. Yeah, a couple guys could potentially go early day two. Um, and, and given, you know, the, the matchup against Alabama, this is kind of an opportunity for some of these guys to, to improve their draft stock. So at this point, uh, you know, we spoke to several players after the banquet on Sunday at Chrysler. They all uh, said they plan to play. We've heard from Sean McCune and, and Josh Uche, who announced, uh, you know, I think last week that he was going to forego his senior season out of the draft. They both plan to play. Uh, at this point, we haven't heard of anyone uh, that plans to sit out. I mean, there are a couple outstanding names out there that I think are going to be interesting to watch, uh, especially Donald Jones and, and Levert Hill. Uh, Levert Hill's out, out of eligibility at this point, but him and Peoples Jones are both kind of projected to be early day two picks. Um, and, and you wonder from an individual standpoint whether they, they feel like they have you know much to gain by playing Alabama. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. That's kind of up to them at this point. But you know, Michigan's in a unique spot. Um, I think a lot of these guys are going to play, it sounds like. Uh, and from Alabama, we're still waiting on Alabama because they have anywhere from you know seven to ten potential first round picks. So they got a lot of decisions to make. Uh, wide receiver Jerry Judy did announce, I think, over the weekend that he does plan to play. Um, but from Michigan's perspective, it sounds like the you know given the the feeling they have a, they have something to prove, they have opportunity here, and then the the matchup with Alabama, it sounds like. Most, if not all, their guys are going, to, are going to suit up if they're if they're able to. No, I agree, and they have everything to gain by playing. But on the other side, I don't know if you caught any of Nick Saban's presser. I think it was last <laughs> Monday, but he was overall very mellow. But he was combative with the media, the local media, on the question of whether any Bama players would choose not to play. And you know, the fact of the matter is they have not been in this position at all in the last five years with being in the playoffs. 
And as you mentioned, and we all know, they have a boatload of guys who could go in the first or the second rounds. So who does or doesn't play for them is really going to be interesting to watch in the next couple of weeks, isn't it? It will be. And I did catch that press conference you're referring to. It was real interesting because, you know, Saban kind of basically put back on the media and said, you know, you guys were the ones clamoring for this 14 playoff that is now, you know, now in place. And he, he basically made the argument, and, and, and I think based on, you know, some of the things he's hearing from his players, that this, this playoff is kind of, um, you know, delegitimize some of these other bowl games. They're just, you know, players look at some of these other lesser bowl games as just that lesser game. There's not as much importance um, because everyone, you know, especially Alabama, you know, you can even throw Michigan in that loop where these players want to make the playoff. That's the end-all, be-all goal. They want to compete for a national championship. And when you're not able to do that, it almost looks, you know, the season's almost a, almost a disappointment. And from Alabama's perspective, that's kind of how they're treating this year. You know, uh, Saban said several times during that Citrus Bowl teleconference that you know, he was disappointed and his players are disappointed in the way the season finished. They went 10-2. and They didn't play for the SEC championship, and now they're playing in this New Year's Day Bowl game that doesn't have a ton of meaning for them. Um, you know, maybe there's more meaning for Michigan. So it's it's an interesting dichotomy for both programs because I think both teams are coming off you know disappointing seasons in some regard, maybe for different reasons. Um, and Alabama certainly has more draft pick out draft eligible players and draft you know, potential first round picks. So I think from from Alabama's perspective, they've, they've got several guys that have more uh, more to lose in game by playing Michigan. But we'll, we'll see. You know, I, I think. You know, Nick Saban and Alabama's program realize that the standing they're in, you know, that every, every one of their games is, you know, is watched by NFL scouts and personnel. Um, you know, it'll be an opportunity again for them to put some tape on, uh, put some play on tape, you know, for those guys. So we'll see. They have some decisions to make. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. We should know here in the next few weeks whether they have whether several other guys are going to sit out or not. Well, on another note, uh, Aaron, I'm not I'm not a gambler. I'm not a Vegas guy, but I did find the opening spread for the game surprising. I think it was seven points right around there. I thought it was going to be more, didn't you, Aaron? I did too. Yeah, I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be in the ten to fourteen point range, just given you know the the talent and the you know the, the way the seasons went for both of these teams. You know, Alabama's schedule wasn't exactly great. Um, I think. Two of their first, only two of their first six opponents are, ended up in bowl games. Uh, you know they lost to the, you know they lost to LSU and Auburn. Um, but same token, you know I think from from the odds maker standpoint, they probably don't know. They didn't know who was you know who's going to play, who wasn't. So there's a lot of mystery out there in that regard. Uh, so, but yeah, it was a little lower than I thought. We'll see where it adjusts here to closer to game time. You know, once we find out who is and who isn't playing, um, but and maybe that bodes well for Michigan. You know, they they did a decent job this year of covering the line, the spread. I think they were uh, eight and four, I believe, against the spread this year. So they were pretty good. They were able to cover generally pretty well. Uh, but we'll see what ends up. Uh, you know, I do I do think Michigan clearly is the underdog going into this game just based off off of talent alone. Uh, but we'll see. You know, Michigan, like I said before earlier, Michigan has more to gain. I think that they sound like they're excited for this one. To potentially we see, we see an energized, um, excited team in Orlando on January 1st. Well, they should be uh, energized and ready to go. I mean, from a Michigan perspective, you could not have asked for a better bowl game matchup, could you? I agree. You know, I, I think from just from a from name brand standpoint and location standpoint, it's a New Year's Day game. You know, last year in the Peach Bowl, so interesting because it's, it's obviously a New Year's Six game, so it's considered a higher echelon bowl game. But, you know, we were down in Atlanta for the, the week before the game, and you know, they're over Christmas, and it, you just didn't get the similar, you didn't get the vibe that the players were excited to be in that game. Whether it was a disappointment over the way the season ended, the loss to Ohio State, you know, I, I don't know. Um, you, you know, you had several other top players did decide to sit out, and they announced that, you know, weeks prior. So I, I don't know if there's all that, you know, kind of 
you know, uh, combined into one, but it, it, you almost get a different vibe this year, given that I think the matchup with Alabama, it's, it sounds like, you know, very few of these guys plan to sit out. So it's definitely a different vibe. The matchup is, is, a, is a better one. It's more marquee, and I think Michigan has more to gain. They look at this like there's something something to gain out of this one as opposed to last year playing a Florida team that was, you know, it was so-so, it was fine, but it wasn't that marquee um you know, name brand that, that I think folks want to see. And they, they haven't played Alabama in a long time. So it's it's definitely a better situation, I think, for, for not only the Michigan players, but the fans, too. Well, at this time last year, uh, Josh Gaddis was on the Alabama staff, as we know. Do you think having him around is a big plus uh, this year when it comes to preparation for playing Alabama? Yeah, I do. You know, I think it'll come into play to some degree. I mean, obviously, Josh is familiar with, with Nick Saban and, you know, the, the schemes they like to run and the philosophies they have and, you know, the matchups they could potentially see defensively. Um, you know, he helps with that regard. Um, so to some degree, I think some of that's overrated, too. I mean, obviously things change every year. Saban's staff was, was very diff- vastly different this year. Um, you know, there are some different players on, on that team. So it, I think it does help um, how much remains to be seen. I mean, you, you could make the case for, you know, uh, you know several other guys, you know, helping matchup wise, you know, Michigan's got several former Rutgers guys on their staff. So I, it's hard to say. I, I think, I think there is some, you know, um, some help there. We'll see. Uh, but I think that the storyline more so is, is the more interesting aspect with this card. I mean, get, say, keep in mind, Gaddis was only at Alabama for one year, so he wasn't there, didn't have a huge long tenure. Um, but you know, the way his, his departure went, um, him being only one, there one year, not getting the offensive coordinator job, you know, when, when Danny knows and, and Mike Loxley left, um, and then him kind of going to Michigan. So I, th- I think that's the more interesting storyline from my perspective as opposed to you know, wh- whether or not he, he helps them much. But I think he does. I mean, there, there'll be some, some value there. How much remains to be seen and whether it makes a difference, you know, I, I don't know. Here with us on our game day segment this week as we uh, talk a little Citrus Bowl is beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live. Aaron, let's talk about the matchups in this game, some of the matchups, and get your early thoughts. Uh, Michigan's offense against the Alabama defense. Do you think Michigan should have some success against this defense? I, I do. You know, they, they've been prone to giving up a lot of points here. I mean, they gave up north of 40, I think, to, to LSU and, and Auburn. So, I mean, they've shown that they give up a lot of points. And given the way Michigan's offense, um, you know, shown their, you know, grew as the season went on, especially with the passing game. I thought the passing game was very efficient those final three or four games. Uh, and, and assuming they bring most of those guys back to this game, Peoples-Jones plays, Nico Collins elects to play, Shea Patterson has said he'd be playing to play. Um, I, I think that that should help. I think they'll help keep, Mich- keep Michigan in this game. Um, you know, Alabama does have some key guys on defense to keep an eye on. Defensive tackle Raquan Davis, he's a potential first-round pick. Another potential first-round pick is their safety, Xavier McKinney. Um, so they do have some talented guys on that side, um, and it's going to it's going to you know create some issues for, for matchup issues for Michigan. You know, they've um, they were pretty good from the offensive line standpoint. I thought they did a good job of um, you know holding Ohio State in check for the most part on the line. Uh, you know, season season finale. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think Michigan has a shot to move the football. They should be able to move the football as long as they bring everyone back here and, and they're able to practice everyone. Um, but I think that's if Michigan's going to have a shot to win this game against Alabama, uh, they're going to have to throw the football and be efficiently and do it efficiently. And you know, SEC watchers say this Bama defense is very average, and for the talent they have, I think that's sort of funny. But I mean, I suppose when compared to their defense of the last five years, that's a true statement. 
But this is still, in reality, one of the best defenses Michigan will have faced this year, isn't it, Aaron? Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, the, some of these Big Ten defenses, they, Ohio State, I thought was pretty good. Um, you know, Penn State had, had a decent unit as well. But yeah, it, it, it's it's different than going up against an SEC defense, which they're going against, they're going up against SEC competition every week. They, they got some big boys, you know, on the line. They got some talented guys there in the secondary. Um, you know, Michigan will have its, its work cut out for them. You know, they're going to have to find a find a way to run the football, something they weren't able to do uh, against Ohio State and, and later on in the season. So if they can, they're going to have to obviously have a balanced attack. They're going to have to establish their own game, but at the same token, they're going to have to have to throw the football. And I think, given the way they were able to do that uh, toward the end of the season, it, it should give them give them a shot to at least be competitive on January first. On the defensive side, I think that's where most of the worries are for Michigan fans, starting with that defensive line. This Alabama front, they're they're even better than Ohio State's. I think NFL watchers say they are. So in my mind, that is the key matchup to watch, Aaron. And it is going to be a tall order for Michigan's undersized front, isn't it? It will be. You know, when we got the news, I think a, lot, a Sunday night that Carlo Kemp is injured right now, so we don't know his status for the bowl game, whether he'll be able to play or not. Um, I, I suspect if he if, if he could, he will, but we don't know the nature of his injury. Keep in mind, he got injured in the season finale against. Uh, against Ohio State, and then Brad Hawkins too. Michigan continues to be without Brad Hawkins. He missed the final two games. He's injured as well. Um, so Michigan, you're right, could be um, could be banged up. They could be under, um, you know um, have, have they could have some troubles. You know, Alabama's offensive line is good. They got another potential first round pick and Alex Leatherwood. And he's six six, north of three hundred pounds. He's a talented guy. He's, he's a name that has come up time and again when we ask about Michigan, about Alabama's offense. I think we asked Quiddy Pace Sunday night about by Alabama, and he was the guy, he was one of the guys he brought up. So, yeah, Mich- Alabama's big up front. Um, they, do, they are playing their backup quarterback, uh, who, who's coming off a, you know, a decent game uh, in the finale against against Auburn. He's had two for three, from north of 300 yards, four touchdowns, but he had two interceptions as well. Right. Um, so, Mich- Mich- I don't know, they got, they got a good running game. They got some talented receivers. Um, you know, we'll see whether LeVert Hill decides to play or not. Uh, but that could be that would be the area I think where Auburn or excuse me, Alabama can uh, can exploit Michigan's defense. Is that is that, potent, that secondary? They got some. They got three potential first round picks at receiver. Um, they, they got some talented, speedy guys out there. They got some big boys up front. So Alabama, they they shown the potential to score fast and score a lot of points. Uh, it, it's it's almost in a way similar vein to Ohio State. So Mich- Michigan's gonna have to figure out a a scheme defensively to kind of slow the, the Crimson Tide down, you know, assuming a lot of these guys do, do play in the game. With the front, and that is where my concern is with the front after what we saw against Ohio State, but do you think getting some of the bigger young bodies like Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith in the game is something Michigan has to do on the defensive line? You know, I think they would, would like to do that. You know, I guess it depends on, A, you know, how – I don't know how competitive they want to be. If they, they feel like they're ready, and we've we've seen Hit and Mozzie play at times this year, you know, in, in certain instances, um, if they feel like they're ready, I think they could you could see them play. I think that's where this bowl prep comes into play. They got you know they're gonna have you know 15 or so practices here before the game, and I think that it'll be an opportunity for them to gauge you know, the readiness of, of these guys and whether or not they they are able you know they have the ability and. and uh, you know they, they've progressed enough to where they can start the the bowl game against against a team like Alabama. I, I think if they feel like they're ready, they'll throw them in there. Um, you know, especially if Carlo Kemp can't go, um, and it would be a challenge for them. You know, we've seen uh, we've seen first year guy or we've seen early you know young guys uh, start bowl games before in the previous. I can remember a couple of years ago in the Outback Bowl, Michigan had several several new guys start. So it's a possibility. Um, we'll see. I guess it's going to depend on whether you know Kemp is out, you know, ready to go and. 
progression some of these guys have made. But I, I know they, they like they like Mozzie Smith, they like Chris Hinton, they like their ability, their ceiling. Uh, it's going to be whether or not they, they feel like they're ready to go against it's superior talent like like Alabama. You mentioned we don't know if Levert Hill is going to play, uh, but when you look at that secondary, which you were just alluding to a moment ago, it, it really is a nightmare matchup for Michigan, Aaron, because this Alabama receiving crew, we saw what Ohio State, what kind of receivers Ohio State had. I think the Alabama receiving crew is even better, don't you? I would agree. You know, Jerry Judy is a guy who's been who's been discussed in NFL circles now for a couple of years. I think he one. I looked at one mock draft a few weeks or a couple of days ago, and I think they had him going three overall. And he wasn't even uh, he wasn't even Alabama's top receiver this year. Uh, I think that was Devontae Smith. He, he he caught for more than 1,200 yards, like not nine. He's top ten in the country. Um, they got a guy by the name of Henry Ruggs, who was also a potential th- uh, first-round pick. He's, he's got good speed. Um, so Michigan's secondary is going to have issues. I mean, Ambry Thomas is healthy, it sounds like. Um, you know, uh, Daxon Hill, we've seen uh, play well here toward the end of the season, but they're going to be tasked, uh, assuming these, these Alabama receivers do play. I mean, it's one of the best, like you mentioned. I think it's one of the best best groups in the country. Um, they've racked up a ton of yards. Uh, they made their quarterbacks look very good. Um, you know, I think the one saving grace potentially for Michigan is, is that Alabama is playing its backup quarterback, Mac Jones. I mean, he's, he's shown a, a potential, uh, an ability. He's thrown several interceptions now. He's made some mistakes. And that's where I think Michigan's, you know, defensive line is going to have to come up big, or the linebackers, that, that front seven group. They're going to have to put some pressure on Jones and get him to throw the football early. Because if you give him time, um, it, we've seen with time and again that these receivers are able to make plays. And you know you can have the best one of the best second secondaries in the country, but if you have multiple targets, dangerous weapons like Alabama has, all it takes is one little mistake or one guy to get open, and, and you're going to get burned. So uh, that will be the Michigan's I think biggest task going into this game. Uh, they're going to they're going to have trouble, no doubt. Uh, but it'll be interesting to watch. You know, yeah, this is where I think you know uh, Liver Hill and Avery Thomas have an ability to show that they, they can play at the next level and be and be good. Uh, so it'll it'll be a, it'll be a tall task for them. Uh, but it's an opportunity like some of these players have been talking about, too. Well, it is an opportunity, but if we're being honest, uh, at least from my perspective, it is so hard to imagine Michigan slowing down this Bama offense. I think Alabama's going to have to help them with some turnovers like we saw in the Auburn game, but, you know, overall, I think this is going to fall back on the offense. Defense is going to have to scratch and claw, try to create turnovers, but this has the all the, the looks of a shootout that Michigan has to win that way, doesn't it? Agreed. You know, it'll be a similar case to Ohio State where Michigan's have to play near near perfect football. They're not. They can't turn the football over. They can't drop passes in the end zone. They can't fumble it away. They can't make mistakes or dumb penalties like like we saw against the Buckeyes. They got to be near perfect. They got to play their best game of the year. Um, and they've got to, like you mentioned, they've got to execute offensively. They're going to have to move the football and be efficient doing so. And if they're able to do all that, it's potential they'd have. I mean, Michigan has shown the ability this season to to play good football and, and near perfect football on occasion. Um, they just have, have struggled to do it against against top tier competition. Um, so we'll see. You know, they're going to, they, by 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 the time they play in January one, it'll been you know more than more than a, a month since they last played. They they would have 15 practices under the belt. You know, for, for several of these guys, it could be their last game. Um, so, I mean, the potential is there, uh, like we talk about so often, but whether they're able to execute and, and put it together, you know, will, will remain to be seen. Well, Alabama is Alabama. They will be locked and loaded next year. I guess we just have to wonder if their daubers are down after what's happened uh, mm-hmm. and they're not in the playoffs for the first time in five years. But for Michigan, a Michigan perspective, this is a huge game looking forward. You cannot understate how much a win, 
against Alabama would mean to this team, can you, Aaron? You're 100% right. You know, a win would obviously give them 10 wins, which is something they've, they've been pushing here here in the last few days. It would obviously it would be it'd be good for the program. But I think from a recruiting standpoint, and I've said this to several people here in the last week or two since the game was announced, that you know, a win over Alabama while Alabama is down, they obviously only went 10 and two and they get in the playoff this year. It's a, it would be an opportunity for Jim Harbaugh to hold up a signature win and say, hey, we can compete with the best of the SEC. We can compete with a Nick Saban coach team. We can beat a team with with several multiple you know multiple draft picks or first round potential first round guys. It's it's a it's a it's a, it's a, a way he can he can go to his potential recruits and say, hey, if you come to Michigan, you can play some of the best, and, we, and we've shown we can beat the best. So I think it would be a big recruiting coup for Harbaugh. Michigan's recruiting class is again going to be another top ten, another fifteen this year, but they haven't shown they've been able to get in that top tier of Ohio State and, and the Alabama. So I think, you know, that's some of the one of the under um, underlying or uh, you know under appreciated you know, possibilities of this game. That obviously a, w- a win would be great for the record for the seniors going out and everything else. But moving forward. Uh, Michigan desperately needs a signature win, and I think this would give give them more. I absolutely agree with that. Well, the final question for you, Aaron, and this is uh, regarding the playoffs, not a Michigan question, Mm -hmm. but do you think Ohio State is going to be able to play with and beat Clemson? And if they do, can anyone really stop this Ohio State team from what you've seen? You know, when we saw the the Big Ten title game, I think it was a perfect uh, summation of Ohio State. If you can force them to turn the ball over and make mistakes, they're – the, uh, in the, this goes for any football team. Yeah. They're, they're beatable. I mean, they, they can be beat on any given Saturday. But if they're they're humming like they did in the second half, and they're moving the football and and and, and playing like they they have been for so long this season, it, I I find it hard to believe this Ohio State team can be beat. I, I think this is one of the best Buckeyes teams we've seen in a long time. But just from a talent standpoint, that offense and got several you know playmakers on the offensive side of the balls we all saw. Um, I I think they beat Clemson. I think they beat them handily. Um, and I think they got a shot to win a national championship. And I think that loss to the Buckeyes isn't going to look so bad by the end. By, by the, you know, by the time this is all done, I know it doesn't give you know much. Um, it doesn't you know help most Michigan fans. But this is a very good Ohio State team. They got a lot of playmakers and. Uh, they're they're loaded team. No, I agree with that. So I think they're going to win it too. We shall see a lot of great football coming up here in the uh, in the next few weeks. And uh, with bowl practice really just getting underway, we'll have a lot more Michigan football to talk about too. So been great to have beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live with us. Uh, as always, Aaron, we enjoyed the visit, and we look forward to getting you back on in January and wrapping this thing up and talking about just where Michigan football is and what it looks like in the future. Looking forward to it, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On Quick Hits, as of today, we've had three Citrus Bowl practices, and as far as we know, there are no injury concerns other than Captain Carlo Kemp. Hopefully we'll get an update soon on his status for the game. Wednesday, of course, is the early signing day. At the very least, we have a top 15 class. Anything is possible, though, so who knows? We might pull in another commit or two that bumps the class into the top 10. We'll have plenty of time to break down this class during the winter, when Steve Lorenz joins us monthly to talk recruiting again in the new year. On last week's show, I said we were going to focus on basketball this week, but the listeners I heard from were more interested in staying with football, at least until after the bowl game, so we're going to do that. We'll have plenty of Michigan basketball to talk about this winter, and despite losing three of the last four, 
Juwan Howard's first team looks like it has a chance to be better and better as the season progresses. For the next two weeks, our program schedule is going to be a little bit off because of the bowl game and New Year's Day. It's on a Wednesday. So next week, with Christmas also being on a Wednesday, I'm hoping to have our game day show up by Friday, two days after Christmas, and then our visitor segment on Monday, December 30th, two days before the bowl game. I'm still working on guests for both shows because it really is tough this time of year to line people up with everyone's crazy bowl schedule on the holidays, but we will get it done. That's it for this week, though. Thanks for tuning in, and please tell your friends and family about the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!